Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. This is my daily podcast that goes out with my daily email newsletter during weekdays at least via the Kaka, which is my Substack for paid subscribers. Today, it's all kicking off on global financial markets. We're seeing as I go at pixel time that the NASDAQ is down 4.5% and the Standard & Poor's 500, the main measure of US stocks and the biggest stock index in the world, is down 3.7%. That is a big fall and it means that US stocks are now in what they call bear market territory, down 20% from the peak. Now what's this all about? It's all about inflation, and it was much faster than expected uh, in data that was released on Friday night in the United States, for the United States, well up over 8%, faster than expected. And it means now that investors are starting to price in the chances that the US Federal Reserve, the world's biggest central bank, will put up its federal funds rate, its version of our official cash rate, by at least 50 basis points, more like 75 basis points, to around 1.5 to 1.75%. Now that could be as early as Thursday morning, New Zealand time. And there's even some people suggesting that there could be a 100 basis point hike on Thursday morning. Now if that happens, all hell breaks loose. Because... Financial markets for years now have essentially traded on the idea that whenever there's some sort of big thump to market values or some sort of big slowdown in the global economy, then they can rely on the US Federal Reserve coming along and pumping fresh printed money into the markets, into the global economy to support things. Now that was possible for a long time really from 2008 onwards because global inflation was very low. The difference now of course is that global inflation is not low and that excuse to try to push up inflation is not there for the world's central banks. Last week the European Central Bank which is the world's second largest really did a, a turnabout, a U-turn on its previously dovish view about interest rates. It pledged to start increasing its interest rates next month. And you've seen a big sell-off in European bond markets. Now that's important because for those who recall the euro crisis and whatever it takes and various Greek debt crises, unlike the United States and the UK, where the banks there were recapitalized often by the taxpayer, uh, or uh, there were mergers and they've become much stronger in capital terms, that's not the case in Europe, where they've been allowed to stagger on, in some cases a bit like zombies, for years and years and years. And effectively, they've been bankrolled by the European Central Bank, which has been printing money hand over fist and buying European government bonds to the point now where it owns about 40 to 50 percent of uh, the weakest bonds in Europe. So what we've seen in the last week or so since that big change from the European Central Bank and also the numbers coming out of the United States on Friday night is a massive sell-off across both stocks and bonds. Now that's relatively rare to see them both sell off at the same time. Now you may un may wonder, hang on a minute, uh, isn't uh, long-term bond yields up, not down? How can you have a sell-off when your yields are going up? Well, in fixed interest securities or bonds, uh, prices 
of the bonds move in the opposite direction to yields. So when you see the yield of a bond rise sharply, that's because fund managers have sold it and they've pushed the price down, which means that the yield goes up. And what we saw overnight was a massive move in the US 10-year Treasury bond yield. For regular listeners, you'll know that this is one I watch closely because in a way, it's the most traded, most watched instrument in the global financial markets. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield is a proxy for the safest thing you can possibly buy. It's got the most liquidity uh, and it's seen as the collective uh, uh, wisdom of the crowds of financial markets on the view for inflation and interest rates in the world's largest economy and interest rates set by the world's largest central bank. Well, overnight, the US 10-year Treasury bond yield rose 24 basis points to 3.4%. Now, that's the highest since 2011. That is a major shock in the global Treasury bond markets. Also, we've got another crypto crisis on our hands. Uh, Overnight, a company called Celsius, which lends out uh, crypto coins to people, for relatively high interest rates, we're talking 16, 17%, 17%, stopped withdrawals from its fund. So this is uh, a an operation where you put your Bitcoin into the Celsius and then they lend it out to someone for some Bitcoiny project. Not just Bitcoin, but Ether and other cryptos as well. So for those people who have lent their crypto to Celsius, uh, they've tried to get their money back, if you like, uh, by withdrawing those cryptocurrencies and have failed overnight. They've blocked redemptions. What that is the equivalent of is a bank run. And that then spilled over into Binance. Uh, Binance is the world's biggest crypto exchange, and that's where people exchange one type of crypto for another or uh, one type of crypto for a a real fiat currency. And overnight, it was down for a couple of hours because of what it called a stuck transaction, which unnerved everyone because if Binance is in trouble, then uh, the crypto sector really is uh, in some sort of death throes. And we've certainly seen the price of Bitcoin uh, drop by almost 20% overnight to below 24,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. Now, that's the lowest since December 2020 and means that cryptocurrencies overall, so not just Bitcoin, but Ether and all the others, their combined market value has now fallen back under $1 trillion. That's the first time since late 2020. And remember, at the peak at the end of 2021, cryptocurrencies were worth $3.2 trillion. So now they're down to $1 trillion. Effectively, this is all again about the end of money printing and the potential for central banks to start unprinting money, i.e. selling bonds back into the market, having created money to buy them out of the market. And when you dump lots of paper into the bond markets, you effectively drive up interest rates. And one of the big reasons for the rise of crypto was people were unnerved by the Um, significant amount of money printing that was going on and we're in theory buying crypto as a stable asset in case fiat currencies were depreciated away into nothing. 
But this inflation surge in the last year has really forced the hands of central banks and they are now uh, on course to sharply increase interest rates. So the, the markets are now pricing in a US federal funds rate of 3.4% by the end of this year. Now that is significantly higher than even a week or two ago. And uh, remember, we had the US federal fund rates at virtually zero up until a month or two ago. So this is a really fast tightening of monetary policy by the US Federal Reserve. And what that means is that people are seeing this um, crunching of economic activity by the world's largest central bank, driving the US economy into some sort of recession early next year. So I've linked to a fresh survey of academic economists by the FT, which now sees a 70% chance of a recession in the first half of calendar 2023 in the United States. Now, why should we care about all this drama on financial markets? It doesn't affect us directly, and rightly, those people who have money in KiwiSaver should be cautious about um, knee-jerk reactions and uh, trying to chase the market, trying to catch a falling knife. That's a dangerous game. But it matters because if you have a real set of ructions on financial markets, some sort of version 2.0 of the global financial crisis, then that is going to affect the investing appetites, the economic activity of banks and investors all over the world. So you're likely to see a real slowdown in global economic growth. And ironically, in fact, this is the reason it's being done, is a, a reduction in some of these inflation pressures that are out there at the moment. Why does that matter here in New Zealand? Well, of course, um, our asset values and our economy is affected by what happens with interest rates. Now, up until now, our central bank, the Reserve Bank, has been putting up interest rates and got in ahead of most other central banks uh, by putting up its official cash rate in October last year and actually stopped money printing in the middle of last year. And it's expected uh, to put up its official cash rate by another 50 basis points at its next chance uh, to 2.5%. It's, still, it's expected also to lift that official cash rate to a peak of about 3.9% uh, towards the end of this year, early next year. Now, if there is a massive slowdown in global economic growth and a massive slowdown in global economic pressures, that may take some of the reason for these higher official cash rates away from the Reserve Bank. And that's why, and I've been saying this now for six months or so, we should watch out for interest rates to stop rising sometime later this year as financial markets and central banks start to work out that this crunching of the global economy to try and slow inflation is actually slowing inflation and that they may not need to put up interest rates quite so high to get inflation under control. We'll see, of course, but a slowdown in the global economy is quite likely, and this sort of um, dramatic move on financial markets is something that affects us eventually, and certainly worth keeping an eye on, particularly if you've been busy in the whole cryptocurrency market for the last few years. Uh, you'd want to be keeping a close eye on that, and uh, what you need to know is that some of the intermediaries here, Celsius, for example, uh, has effectively stopped uh, uh, redemptions, which is the equivalent of a bank shutting its doors. And Binance is having at least technical issues in allowing uh, transactions.
Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about today uh, was the cabinet reshuffle that was announced late yesterday. You will have heard all the details, no doubt, but I just wanted to give you a heads up on what I thought was interesting and what we should look out for next. So, um, Potter Williams, the police minister, has been stripped of that portfolio and it's been given to Chris Hipkins, who is seen as a Mr. Fix-It within the cabinet. When you think about the cabinet, uh, you've got what you could call a kitchen cabinet. So this is five or six people around Grant Robertson and Jacinda Ardern as the fulcrum of the government. And a lot of those big decisions are taken by the, by the, the, those, uh, the two at the top, plus four or five people around that. So um, my perception of who the kitchen cabinet are include, obviously, Grant Robertson and Jacinda Ardern as a bit of a double act running the whole show. Then you've got the likes of Chris Hipkins, who, of course, was put in charge of the COVID-19 response, which was incredibly important. He's also the education minister and the leader of the House, which uh, means he manages a lot of the um, parliamentary action. That's quite a big job. And uh, now he's been given police. So he's had to give up COVID-19. That's gone to Aisha Varel. And uh, he's also had to give up some of his education portfolio. And that's gone to Jan Tanetti. Also, and I think this is interesting from a sort of a housing economic point of view, Bottle Williams has been stripped of the building and construction portfolio. So these are all the things to do with how the uh, building and construction sector is regulated, what's happening with um, standards for building materials, uh, what's happening in the construction market with various collapses, uh, all of the sort of uh, internal details of what's going on in the housing market. We know that there is a crisis right now with, in particular, the supply of jib. 95% of the plasterboard market, we call it jib, which they, actually that's just a brand name, uh, is controlled by Fletcher Building through its Winston Woolboards subsidiary. And uh, you might have heard last week that Simplicity Living which is the apartment development side of Simplicity, uh, a partnership with NZ Living involving Sam Stubbs, the Simplicity CEO, and NZ Living uh, uh, boss Shane Brealey. They announced last week they were dumping Fletcher Building, effectively cancelling their jib orders and going overseas to get uh, supplies from Thailand. Now, part of the issue here and the reason that JIB has a 95% market share is that many smaller builders in the past have been very nervous about using anything other than JIB because uh, architects and designers and procurers have been very risk averse in the wake of the leaky building crisis. And the, the real problem they fear is that if they use some imported no-name product, which may not actually uh, comply with building standards, but even if it does, the council inspector may choose not to okay it. And remember, the council inspectors are now very, very risk-averse because over the last 20 years or so, councils have been left as the last man standing, if you like, whenever a construction company uh, collapses and a leaky building claim has been made. Uh, the use of Hardy, uh, James Hardy's um, Hardyplex um, fibre cement uh, um, wool board uh, or a platting board was a real problem for the um, construction sector uh, from the late 90s through the early 2000s. It was commonly used 
and are led, um, according to James Hardy, through poor uh, construction techniques to um, a lot of buildings having to be reclad or stripped down. Uh, and eventually the claims went through the courts, uh, the, the builders and the developers all uh, collapsed, all their companies did, and the last man standing typically was councils. And Auckland Council has spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in leaky building payouts. So that's why the inspectors are so risk averse and why smaller builders are as well. And the problem now is that Fletcher Building uh, has such a stranglehold on this market that it's prioritizing its largest customers. So the big uh, building firms, um, the group building firms, and a lot of the smaller suppliers, the one and two man um, family uh, band builders are just not getting their jib and they're not able to finish their homes and a bunch of them have gone bankrupt because of it more than 90 uh, in the last year or so and so this is why it's a crisis and uh, I asked uh, Jacinda Ardern about this yesterday was one of the reasons for stripping Potter Williams the need to resolve the jib crisis and uh, she said it was and so you'd have to expect that the new uh, building construction minister, Megan Woods, who's also the housing minister overall and therefore controls Kainga Order, uh, which of course would be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, buyer of plasterboard in the country. Uh, she has been tasked, no doubt, with trying to resolve this issue, which is really um, putting at danger one of the strongest parts of the economy for the government. And of course, the 50,000 building consents, which has been one of the good pieces of news on the housing supply front in the last year or two. So that's one to watch what uh, Megan Woods does uh, with Fletcher Building. And Fletcher Building is coming under an enormous amount of pressure here. So yesterday, for example, in recognition of that, uh, the CEO, Ross Taylor, it's not the cricketer, it's the Fletcher Building CEO, an Australian who came to run Fletcher Building in 2017. Uh, he went out on a bit of a publicity blitz and gave interviews to Anne Gibson from the Herald, uh, said that part of the reason for the current crisis is uh, stockpiling by others. And uh, he also gave interviews to Checkpoint to Lisa Owen, and I'd, I'd recommend uh, reading these articles. I've got links to them in the email today. Or... Uh, going to um, listen to the interview itself. Uh, he also did an interview with the Australian's Bridget Carter in which he talked about um, Fletcher's plans for Australia and was quite positive about the profit outlook for Fletcher Building. And uh, I think Fletcher Building is now close to a social license losing moment in the same way that supermarkets are seen as um, uh, uh, really causing trouble for the government and the economy as a whole uh, by uh, controlling and monopolising a particular market and keeping supplies and particularly prices very high. So uh, Fletcher Building have a real job to do because, of course, they're right in the middle of the market study by the Commerce Commission, who uh, obviously have recommended things for the grocery sector, which they're not thrilled about. So I suspect if Ross Taylor wants to get a feel for what losing a social license is like, he should have a chat to Chris Quinn, the CEO of Foodstuffs, to find out. Um, another couple of interesting things just to point out before I uh, head off today. Um, look out in New South Wales, where the government there, uh, under a new uh, Premier Dominic Perrottet, has announced or is going to announce a plan to swap stamp duties in New South Wales 
for a land tax. So offering people who were going to pay stamp duties to buy a new home or, or an existing home instead choose to pay a land tax every year. I'm going to keep a close eye on this one. I'm personally a fan of uh, a land tax as a way to bring in some sort of wealth tax. But the stamp duties are a key part of the Australian economy because they allow the state governments to raise quite a bit of money from the property sector when there's a, a boom going on. And they use that to pay for infrastructure. And it's one of the reasons why Australia's housing supply situation is slightly better than ours. Unlike in Australia, where the state governments have some revenue-raising capacity and get access to GST, in New Zealand, of course, the councils don't. And that's one of the reasons we've had all sorts of problems getting, getting hold of land and supply capacity for new building. Okay, uh, that's a bit of a roundup of what's happening in global financial markets and politically and in the economy here. I'm Bernard Hickey. It is Tuesday the 14th of June. Uh, This is my daily podcast on the Kaka, which goes out to paid subscribers in an email newsletter. Kaki te anō.